This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. So I'm looking over this tweet and I notice uh, something's missing from this tweet. The R word, retirement. Danny hinted at it earlier, and I'm now going back because we've been through this before. We've been here and done this a couple of years ago with a certain first ballot Hall of Fame receiver who has yet to use the retirement word. And J.J. Watt doesn't actually use the retirement word in his tweet that came out earlier this morning as of this recording to Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, Paul Calvisi, Darren Urban, Danny Sarek. So I, I guess it lends itself uh, to translation to some degree. In fact, the great Frank Caliendo tweeted out in response to J.J. Watt's tweet. So based on what I'm reading here, J.J. Watt henceforth and going forward will only be playing road games. <laughs> Which I, mean, I thought was pretty solid. That's actually a fair point. Although the the difference, uh, let's face it, the di- the difference is at least J.J. Watt gave us a tweet talking about last anything, whereas right. certain other guys that might have worn jersey number eleven just ghosted us all. Yes, they did, and and certain and well, all of us here actually have content that still is yet to be released because <laughs> yes. we're still stinking waiting. For the retirement word to be officially used, which he won't. Can't can't in week 2026. <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness. Uh, I long for the days where the J.J. Watt tweet making news was about, you know, Buddy Morris being the most strength coach <laughs> of all strength coaches of all time. You know, something like that. A hit and run video. That's what I thought when I heard there was Donuts. a J.J. Watt tweet out the there. the donut gate was the that donut, hurts. Right. You know, why does it have to be so serious? Right here at the end of the season, we're in the holiday season. I, I mean, most people aren't even working, and there's J.J. Watt. Not only is he grinding, he, he's dropping this serious-toned announcement. you got to respect that J.J. Watt likes to take matters into his own hands. He announced he was going to become an Arizona Cardinal in March of 2021 on his Twitter when he said, Source me. He went ahead of the news that was going to break a couple of months ago when he had his heart shocked. Um, because he wanted before that game in Carolina because he wanted to be the one to share that news before it was leaked and he took matters into his own hands announcing his retirement because that's what I'm going to take it as Paul that he's not only going to play road games next year so I mean you got to respect it he he likes to control what's out there about him in terms of you know the narrative if it's not retirement man do a lot of people look dumb right now including me I mean if you look at social media there's a lot of people a lot of players a lot of the league a lot of other other like people covering the league that are all talking about jj watt as if he's retiring wait what do you mean as if i'm joking you're using the words as if is there now a question as to whether he's retiring you're the the one who brought it up i'm just saying no i actually put it on the website so god i hope so (laughs) and here's the thing last we saw jj watt 
Sunday Night Football, NBC was doing a montage of all his plays. I mean, he's playing as good as we've ever seen him in an Arizona Cardinals uniform, is he not? Just the get-off, the quickness, right? You see him out here when they do those, some of the drills that we're allowed to watch, and they every Friday they do the 10-yard sprint for the D lineman. I mean, he's first or second, even against all those 20-year-olds out there. His get-off and his burst, I mean... I fully expected us to be spending the first part of the offseason talking about how do you get J.J. Watt under the next contract. So I guess, um, you know, the worst case scenario is he goes somewhere else. Uh, you know, the best case scenario is he played another season for the Cardinals and somewhere in between is he plays for no one. No one gets to enjoy number 99. At least for somebody who has put in the amount of work and effort as he has in the last 12 seasons – very happy that he's retiring on a high note, not only with his play, but to be healthy, to finish the season healthy, which is something that he hasn't been able to do a lot, at least in the last couple of years. He wasn't fully healthy last year. Remember, all he came back from just to play in that playoff game. Um, so, you know, it, you, you have to kind of be happy for him in that sense of he's walking away on his own rather than having something tell him it's time to walk away. Um, and so for him to do that when he's been productive, when he's been healthy, obviously you wish, you know, the, the record were different or had a playoff push to end his career, but you're happy for him in that sense. And I know you wrote in your article after the game, Darren, that you noted that JJ after the game was walking around really taking in State Farm Stadium, maybe as just the final home game of the season. Little did we know it was the final home game of his career. It crossed my mind that maybe it was his final home game as a Cardinal and, you know, knowing he's a free agent, knowing he probably wouldn't be back. Because I, I think if you look at everything, it, there was probably a lot of things that made sense that it, if he continued to play, it wouldn't be here. But it did remind me, and you'll remember this, Paul, after uh, the epic 51-45 Cardinals overtime playoff win yep. over the Packers, Kurt. Kurt Warner, five touchdown passes, four incompletions that day, uh, where he kind of did a wave before he went in the final tunnel, and it felt very goodbye-y. And obviously at that point, Kurt had decided, we know now, that he had already decided he was going to retire. He didn't do the victory lap? He didn't go all the way around? I don't think he the did. The front all, row he and, might have and slap done. high fives with fans over the front rail? Didn't I, he do that? No? I don't remember him doing that. Okay. I remember Ken Wisenhunt doing some of that, but I don't remember Kurt actually going around the field. I do remember him waving to everybody and kind of like doing a big circle. Uh, you know, obviously J.J. Watt didn't do quite like that. First of all, the Cardinals lost, and I think there was a lot of disappointed Cardinals over that loss to the Buccaneers when they could have knocked off Tom Brady. But, you know, kind of just kind of turning around, taking it all in for potentially the last time, and, and now we have a, a better context of, of that. And and I, I'm going to echo Danny, which is I, I think it's awesome that he's been healthy this year. He's played excellent football. He easily could continue to play. But when you start factoring in – um, a newborn son, when you factor in the health scare with the heart thing, which it kind of was like a quick, it was a quick, it was a heavy story, but it was a quick story because he didn't miss any time and, and it may have not even been out there if it hadn't have been about to be leaked. And he talked about it yet. He didn't miss any games. So it, it wasn't a lingering thing. And you never got the sense JJ really wanted to talk about it anymore after the fact. So we kind of forget about it, but that's kind of a big deal and, and maybe that also plays into it. And the other thing, and we'll know more when we get to talk to him, I mean, he's got a wife who's a professional soccer player. Um, she just lost a year of her career because she was pregnant and they had their son. Maybe this is his 
opportunity to say, okay, this is your time to go and finish out your athletic career on your terms now that I've been able to do it with mine. I'll be interested to see what he says about that because on Hard Knocks a couple weeks ago, he talked about the finite time an athlete has in their lives, and he wasn't just talking about himself. He was mentioning the fact it was him and his wife had talked about that. So maybe there have been some discussions about her playing career and that kind of stuff. And that, I didn't think about that. That, that. that could definitely factor in because my hope is that he didn't make this decision in the throes of a 4-11 and 11 campaign, that he didn't, you know, during what has been a really tough season. It's really felt like three different seasons and that, you know, he wouldn't have been more well-served to wait until mid-February and then well, make this decision. The, here's the thing on that because, again, I go back to the Kurt Warner stuff. We may not, we, he may talk to us about it. We may not, he may not talk about us. But for all we know, this was always the plan. Instead of you saying, well, he's making this decision and, and this has been, he might have come into this season and telling, you know, his wife or having this thought like, this is going to be, I just want to be able to go out healthy. Now, as long as I go out healthy, this is going to be my last season. And it just turned out that it was a poor right. season on the field for yeah. the team. But he may have been thinking this the whole time. And that's my hope. And that's part of my point is that, yeah, I hope this has been in the plans for a long time, as opposed to maybe just a reaction to how miserable things yeah. have become as you lose five in a row. That could have been the case when he signed his contract with yeah. the Cardinals was this is the time where I feel like when this contract is up, I'll have a good idea of what I want my future to look like. This could have been... This idea could have been at least, you know, ruminating since he signed that contract to become a Cardinal. Wait, you're saying he came to Arizona to retire? Yes. Maybe, though, I mean, look, he's he's retiring at near the top of his game, at least for his age. Yeah. Now, he had that four-year stretch, which was yeah. absolutely historic. You, you look at that 2012 through 2015 run, three defensive player of the year awards, I mean, just absurd. We, we could spend an entire podcast just talking about some of those stats. Like in 14, first player since 1948 with three offensive touchdowns and two defensive touchdowns in the same season. First player in modern NFL history with multiple 20-sack seasons in a career he did in his first four years in the league. But at this point, for him to walk away knowing he can still play at a high level, not unlike Kurt Warner, not like some of the all-time greats like a Barry Sanders – Etc. I, I just I wonder, and you you pretty much told the Houston Texans, you know what, you're in rebuilding mode, and I'm going to hit the eject button here. I think it's better we part ways. I wonder to what degree, if any degree, he's looking at the Cardinals at four and eleven, the franchise quarterback being injured. What does that mean for next season? And if this is a one, two, three year rebuild of some sort, and all the uncertainty. I guess that's part of my question as well. How much of that recent events plays into it? As to Darren's point, he could have decided it before the season began, before he even signed this contract. Would you blame him if that were the case, being his age and his injury history and his wife being a professional athlete and a newborn son? Would that change your thought if the 4-11 record did play some sort of role in it? My only follow-up to that would be is he might regret it then if that's the reason why if it's personally of his own choosing and there are reasons for the family but if it has to do with the situation the football situation and the team that he happens to be on in the win-loss record then you wonder if it doesn't end up being a Brett Favre situation for example or a Tom Brady 
where they retire for a spell and then come back. Oh. And, and Favre was a repeat offender in that regard. Always possible. But we, we were going through all the same questions with Larry Fitzgerald. Yep. And, and I don't think – I think there's – I think it all plays into it. I think when Fitz walked away, I think football was part of the equation, some football-related things. It's, it's never not part of it. I mean, if you're, if you're healthy and dominating – uh, you know, you're you're not you're not just going to walk away simply because you feel like it's time time. There's always something. Football. I mean, you brought up Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders walked away because he wanted to be at the top of his game, but also because he was tired of losing with the Lions. Sure. Yeah. Now he's never regretted retiring. I've never heard um, uh, Calvin Johnson regretting retiring yeah. at the top of his game. Andrew also, Luck. Andrew. I mean, again, no regrets. But there were football-related parts to those choices. And Larry did get a call from Bruce Arians, right, late in that next season, just asking, just kicking the tires if Larry would be interested in coming to the Buccaneers because they were very banged up at the receiver spot. And uh, I think Fitz's response to B.A. was, man, I haven't run a route in like four months. There's no way I can get ready in four days. Come on now. So, And here's the other thing, and we all see it on Hard Knocks. J.J. You know, Watt, Hall of Fame player, Hall of Fame leader. And that's going to be a tough thing to replace if you're the Arizona Cardinals. I did the Red Sea Report earlier today, and I just asked Drew Stan. I said, come on, he's like in the 90th percentile of coaches when it comes to leadership. Just the way he commands the room, the way he can address an entire team. Drew said he saw the clip from Hard Knocks. He's like, was he reading that? That was so good. It was so well done. And he essentially repeated that to us in, in Denver after the game when yeah. you asked him about his message to the team. And he talked about it, and and uh, it's going to be interesting this week's episode of Hard Knocks because I have no doubt that this will be part of the storyline. He was mic'd up for that game uh, against the Buccaneers. So, True. Um, and by the way, Cliff Kingsbury on his TV show multiple times, when we've talked J.J. Watt over the last two years, said they had no idea, the coaching staff, how good a leader he was, not just by example, but how he vocalizes it to everyone in that room. I mean, just... It was funny. I before this news, I was already going to try and do a JJ Watt story this week. And one of the things I want to ask him is, what as a leader, what is more important? Is it a leader who can verbalize some of this stuff so everybody can kind of get on the same page, or is it a leader who is doing it by example? But if you just are doing it by example, it's easy for that to fall through the cracks with some guys. I understand the point where you can't just talk it because you still got to show it. But if you just show it, that doesn't necessarily translate to everybody. So I'm curious to know what he would think would be more important because that is what I've noticed. You mentioned the hard knock stuff. So we got to see that live. He did repeat it to us, but being able to see it with the team yeah. takes it to another level. And we've seen on the field what he does in terms of his work and he, these last two games these last two games they were out of the playoffs and he has played fantastic football now if he knew that he was coming to the end uh, especially against the buccaneers and your 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 last national television game and you got a chance to knock off tom brady 
maybe that gives you a little extra pep in the step, although I'm sure he would head slap me if I brought that up after what happened with the hard knocks camera question you gave him once upon a time. Well, I still can't believe Tom Brady did not get sacked in that game. I mean, zero mobility and escapability. You do not go down once in that game. That is just remarkable to me because it would have been the 48th different quarterback that J.J. Watt has sacked in his regular season career. He has half a sack of Tom Brady in the postseason at some point somewhere. But uh, we were really looking forward to maybe 99 getting the sack of, of TB12, and, uh, and that didn't happen, although he definitely had an impact on that game. Once again, there, there's no doubt about it. And look, it's going to be a huge loss to the Cardinals just in rebuilding this team. 30-plus unrestricted free agents, and now J.J. Watt's not coming back. You're already thin on the defensive line. Zach Allen not under contract. So, this you know, look, you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution, and J.J. Watt was most definitely part of the solution for the Arizona Cardinals in the midst of this 4-11 season. So that is going to be some huge cleats to replace just in terms of if Vance Joseph continues on as defensive coordinator, man, that's got to be a big-time priority in this draft and free agency. I'm not sure that this retirement announcement would be the only reason that would or the, the main impact of whether or not you sign Zach Allen to a new contract, but I would imagine this does now play a bigger role in that of that's a pretty big role to fill, and yeah. you already trust Zach Allen. You like the way that he's played. Um, comparisons have been made to him and JJ of maybe not even necessarily the play, but just the growth that he's made and and really learning that work ethic. And I know that's something JJ has really prioritized the last couple of years in his career is mentoring younger players. And I've talked to him about that a couple of times of he said that there were times early in his career he was too serious, which is why now he likes to have fun on the practice field and and kind of lighten the mood a little bit because he knows when it's time to lock in and when to focus, and he also knows that they're out there playing a kid's game for their career. So enjoying that a little more and mentoring the younger players so that they can skip a few of the steps, a few of the mistakes he made early in his career and help younger players, that next generation of players. And that's something that he has been passionate about. That's something we've seen, we've known with Zach Allen, but we've seen on Hard Knocks with Cam Thomas as well. I would agree the Zach Allen stuff and, and needing him back. I, I honestly I thought he was a must. Anyways, I'll I'll be honest and, and this isn't this isn't against JJ Watt. I just I felt like where this team is going to be, and where they're kind of having to readjust this, the roster. I didn't I didn't honestly think it was going to make a lot of sense for either the franchise or JJ Watt for him to return here. Um, so I, I always thought re-signing JJ, uh, Zach Allen was super huge, but I agree. If you don't have, if you don't have JJ Watt, can you can you make something happen where you maybe draft a guy or sign guys a free agent? Adam with Zach Allen. We still don't know exactly what direction they're going to take Cam Thomas if they get him a little bit more beefed up in the offseason and maybe turn him into Zach Allen a little bit on the line, and then go after an edge player. So I, I think there's a lot that is going to go into how all this plays out. But uh, they're going to miss J.J. Watt next year, no matter how they didn't have him. We haven't had a chance to hear from J.J. since he posted that this morning, but I'll be curious to know what he has in mind or the time frame of what's next for him. Because I can only imagine, I'd have to go look online and see the, the, I guess, the lines. I don't obviously bet, but like which major network 
is going to land JJ if that's what he wants to do. Does he want to go into coaching? Does he not want to do anything? It'll be interesting once we get a chance to hear from him. Well, he, he told uh, Dave Pash on the Pash podcast this offseason that he never really thought about broadcasting as a post-playing career until he saw the salary that Tom Brady commanded. He joked about that. So if the money is right, then yeah, he might be enticed into, I, and he would be excellent I at it, right? Say, I mean, show I, of hands, I everybody he'd agrees. Be, he'd be fantastic yeah. at it. The question again becomes, can he get a studio show? I, I do think even though every guy ever who has a family and they retire, they say it's for family reasons, I do believe that is going to play a big part of it. So it would, it would have to be someplace that was going to be easy for him. But, I mean, so many studios are based in Los Angeles where you could probably do it. So obviously that would rule out ESPN, but you, you might be able to do one of the, the networks. So I, I'm, I am curious to know how that goes. What today. about our studio? Not to speak for everyone. Come work with us, JJ. Yeah, we'll we'll he, kick Darren out of his seat on Cardinals Underground. If he was talking about Tom Brady's salary, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, look. We'll give him part of yours. Look, I mean, um, you know, here's the thing. And he probably realizes this, although Bruce Arians didn't quite comprehend this until he spent a year as a game day analyst. Yeah, he was doing games. Yeah. So now you're traveling twice as much as you would as a regular NFL coach or player because there's no such thing as a home game, or at least rarely. Yeah, I don't see him being in a booth, but, so, but maybe in a studio. You know, a Kurt Warner deal where if, let's say, he decided to live here and you're flying over to L.A. or you relocate to Southern California. Yeah. See, that's the other yeah. question is, is like, is any part of this the idea of, hey, we love living in Arizona? He's talked a lot about how much he loves living here. He's gotten really close with Zach Ertz, who's going to obviously be here. Um, you know, maybe he likes the idea of settling and having some roots here in Arizona. I mean, I'm sure he's going to have a place in Wisconsin, too, but this is not a bad place to raise a family. So there you go. That's that's one pillar of the Cardinals defense, J.J. Watt. And then the other pillar, Buda Baker will not be around for the rest of this season. And so let's get into that because it is a pretty remarkable story. And Cliff Kingsbury confirmed as much on his uh, weekly TV show game plan that Buda did get dinged up, at least what he thought, during the course of that Sunday night game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, where was the sideline reporter on this story? I mean, this is what was disappointing. Now the gloves are off. See, most of the time that would be yours truly, but now I get to point straight at Danny Sarek because I was Paulie Pinchitter up in the booth for Dave Pash. So let's see, the sideline reporter was Danny. (laughs) My jaw's on the floor and my brain's not working fast enough to think of a comeback because I was so caught off guard. Oh, I'm sure you'll come up with something. Did at any point you see him... Kind of working the shoulder at all. He didn't miss a play, for God's sake. Because you, so are you, are you with me or against me now? Oh, man. I'm always with you, Danny. Cliff said he, he came to the sideline Buddha, and he's like, no, it's just, it's, just, it's just bruised. You know, it's like a contusion. And then when they, after the game, I guess they got an x-ray. It's fractured! And he played all 81 snaps with a fractured shoulder. We're talking like Ronnie Lott type stuff here. Cut my fingertip off, coach. I'm going back into the game. Am I supposed to be surprised that when the Cardinals played in L.A. and Buddha was ruled out on that Monday and managed to play and had the game-sealing interception and ran on that bum ankle that I'm supposed to be surprised that with a fractured shoulder, Buddha still played every snap? Because I'm not. It reminds me of the uh, <laughs> the Black Knight in uh, Monty Python where he gets all <laughs> Appendages cut off, right. and he's still yeah, out there. Just out there. Just, just he- a flesh wound. Yeah, hemorrhaging. And just, uh, yeah, it's... Um, so, look, uh, when Cliff Kingsbury says, you know, if 
when those coaches say, and it was Bill Davis calling it hard knocks, but all the coaches cite Buda Baker as an example, even Mike Tomlin. Where somebody posted that Mike Tomlin clip from NFL Films on the Steelers sideline when they played the Cardinals a couple of years ago, and Mike Tomlin just raving about Buda Baker and how he's everywhere. And Danny knows, having been down on the sideline now, and Darren, you know from the preseason as well, if you're ever in doubt, what was that blur that just came by and created all that chaos? It's number three. It's Buda Baker. When in doubt, it's Buda who just came flying in from nowhere to tackle a guy you know, around the ankles and just make a ridiculous open field tackle. So the respect for his game and him as a player only grows now that you realize what exactly he played through to make it the entirety of that game on Sunday night. Well, and now you're talking – we were just talking about J.J. Watt and losing him as a leader. Now you don't lose him for these two games we're talking about right. in the future. But now you don't have Buddha in the locker room, and I think those two guys – are the main have been the main spark in terms of making sure that guys kept focused even though there's not a whole lot left to play for yeah you've lost 11 out of 15 this year but the bottom hasn't fallen out so you do get worried a little bit now that you're not on national tv and buddha's not on that field that you hope everyone does come to play against the Falcons and then the season ender against the 49ers and guys do come to tackle because we'll know right away at the beginning of both these games whether the Cardinals are ready to play. Leadership, especially from Buda Baker and J.J. Watt, is incredibly important and I don't want to dispel that. But with the situation the Cardinals have put themselves in, you're already out of the playoffs, you've got two games left. If there are players in that locker room that aren't going to show up and give it their all for the sole fact that they don't have Buda Baker or, you know, ne- next year not having J.J. Watt. I mean, that's that to me is no excuse. Like, it's obviously great to have those type of leaders and be there and and have them kind of rile you up and encourage you and all that good stuff. But I don't if players aren't going to play their best because of those two. Yeah, no, that, that's another issue. That's a valid point. I always think of the Rob Fredrickson story, right? Uh, Rob Fredrickson tells a story when he was with the Raiders one year, and, and I actually remember this. I cover the end of this season. They started eight and two, sixteen game season. They lost the last six, and they went into the final week of the season needing to win. And you're in. And he said a number of players showed up at the Oakland Coliseum in the players' parking lot, and they already had U-Hauls in the back of their trucks. They had already moved out of their condo or their apartment, and fully expecting to lose their sixth in a row. And they had already moved out and handled, and he he just talked about how that, that, wrong? that locker room had just succumbed and caved in at some point over the final month of the season. So we haven't seen that yet with the Arizona Cardinals. We have not. But you're also going against the Falcons team that, what, has lost five in a row and is five and ten, and they've lost a bunch of close games. And it's going to be a little bit different when you're going against a Desmond Ritter making his third career start versus a Tom Brady, who was everybody now making his 331st career start. By the way, any takeaways from that game on Sunday night that beyond just the whole J.J. Watt, Buda Baker dynamic? Anything else? I mean, to watch the instant chemistry between Trace McSorley and Greg Dorch, for example. Was it interesting? Uh- instant or was it just that's what was there because those are the two guys that it reminds me of the old school josh mccown nate pool chemistry because those were the two they that's who you practiced with most of the time that's what i mean it it was instant right from the get-go of the game that's what i meant and then and just how discombobulated 
his the chemistry was with DeAndre Hopkins. Although half those incompletions of DeAndre Hopkins were either underthrown or overthrown. There were some. All there was just some bad balls. Man. I mean, the the targets he was Hopkins was targeted ten times with one catch, but the how the many were catchable catchable targets? That's a whole different ball of wax. I don't even know. Can you think of one that he didn't catch that was really catchable? No, and Hoppin Hollywood Brown. Seven combined targets, zero catches in the first half. It was that one catch that kept Hop's longest active streak in the NFL alive, 145 consecutive games with the reception. When I talked to Greg Dortch in the locker room postgame, he had mentioned, though, that chemistry with Trace McSorley did come from the fact that they had spent so much time practicing together. And when I asked him if he had an expectation he was going to have such a large role, he smiled and he said, yeah, I had a pretty good idea, which makes sense than learning when hearing from Hollywood Brown that he had been late to a meeting, and so he knew that his playtime was going to be adjusted. And then Cliff Kingsbury told us in his TV show that they gave Farrell Cooper all the return duties to take that much more off the plate of Greg Dortch because they wanted to make sure he played error-free, meant no mental errors, that everything was buttoned up and detailed, and from all accounts, that's exactly what he did, and I think that's what the coaching staff was looking for. Reading between the lines, for everyone who's wondering why there have been really productive games from Greg Dortch, and then games where he's gotten virtually zero snaps or reps, I, reading between the lines, I think that's it. It's been maybe practice habits and or whether he's buttoned up in practice. Didn't he get yelled at during one practice I, by Kyler I, on I, hard knocks? I was going to say, I don't even know if you have to read between the lines. If you just look, I mean, when Cliff's been asked about it, he says he needs to do better I mean, he says it in a nicer way, but he right. essentially comes out and says, "Look, uh, the, he's there's there's not he's not detailed enough." Yeah. Now, all all fans see out there is Greg Dortch making plays when he's had the chance, and I understand that. And but again, I do think that other stuff makes a difference, and you can get mad if you want, but that's the deal. And by the way, speaking of, of bad passes thrown, how about Tom Brady through much of that game? That's uh, it's remarkable to me that they're averaging fifty pass attempts per game. Well, they can't run, but when but they need to figure out a run game when Brady's passing game is lacking to that degree. I don't disagree with you, but they can't. They've I think they've tried to run multiple times a season and they go nowhere and then they fall behind and then it, and you're not doing anything offensively. Danny, you should be proud of me because I refrained during the uh, broadcast from using the line something along the lines of you know Tom Brady right now is passing accuracy looks worse than his crypto investment. I thought about going that route. I said, you know what? This is an NFL broadcast. I can't do that. We, we can't succumb to that level. So I, I avoided that line. But Th- Thank you for saving it for Cardinals Underground. <laughs> exactly. To nobody's surprise, yeah. I don't have my bingo card, which nope. has a cryptocurrency yep. mentioned from you, but that's my New Year's resolution. That's right. So for everyone, for everyone <laughs> who's, have it made. For everyone who's saying that, that Tampa is going to be playoff ready, that in 2020 they were a five seed and ran the table with three road victories and then hosted the Super Bowl in their own joint and won the Super Bowl. Obviously, for everyone saying that, look at the rest of the NFC right now. Now, minus Aaron Rodgers, you have a lot of unproven playoff quarterbacks who are going to be in this playoff field in the NFC. Why not Tommy and the rest of the crew as a four seed? Well, based on what we just saw, it's far from a guarantee that they even get a win against Carolina right now. Oh yeah, I don't think there's any lock that they're in the playoffs. I mean, Carolina, Carolina like Tampa controls their own destiny because the two teams play each other this weekend. But if Carolina's uh, 
Carolina has a chance to beat Tampa this weekend and then win their final game and, and be the division winner. So a lot's going to be known, but I agree with you. I don't, I don't see Tampa doing anything in the, in the playoffs. I mean, I think right now the way it's set up, the NFC South team is going to host Dallas. Mm. I don't see either the Panthers no. or the Buccaneers beating Dallas. No. I don't care if they're home. No, and that Dallas pass rush against Tom Brady, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a reason why uh, some of those are so inaccurate. He, his, he first and foremost, he's just worried about getting rid of the football and, and just preserving himself. Sort of reminds me of Peyton Manning at, at the very end of his career. There was nothing more important than not taking the sack. So that was one takeaway from that game. Um, otherwise, look, I mean, there are certain things you're looking for in this these last couple of games and for me it's still in the pass rush department it's still a cam thomas it's still a my jay sanders it was good to see isaiah simmons atop the tackle chart with 11 tackles not to see a db as your leading tackler so i thought that was good he's kind of a db kind of you're right in fact you know what you're actually right on that didn't they they flashed a graphic that said this year i think 50 plus percent of his snaps have been at slot corner (laughs) i mean I did not realize it was at that rate. But I did like that when we put out on our social media channels at AZ Cardinals the holiday photos of every position group that Isaiah was in, both the linebackers and the DBs photos. I thought that was funny. <laughs> that I, I get your point about what you need to see from those last two games in terms of with MyJ Sanders and Cam Thomas, what their potential is, what you're getting out of them, what you need to work on moving forward. But to me, pass rush isn't really something that I feel like you need to look at these final two games. I feel like you know what you have and you know that it's one of, if not the top need this offseason, that and probably if we're going to, you know, offensive line. But so I get your point, but that to me is not like, I, I feel like you know what you have and what you need in your pass rush at this point. I, I'm. It's funny. I saw, again, I think it was on social media. Hey, why don't these two games mean nothing? Play all the young players. Tell me who they're not playing. Now, they say start X or whatever, but MyJ Sanders and, and Cam Thomas each played over 30 snaps against the Buccaneers. They've been playing all season, like Danny said. I don't, I don't think there's anything new that you would learn from them in their rookie year. I don't think, I don't think they're going to get that much further ahead if they play 45 snaps instead of 35 snaps over these two games. I, I wouldn't cut it back at all, but I, I don't... I, I don't know if there's any young guys that aren't playing where you're like, oh, get them out on the field. Maybe Lasita Smith, maybe. Other than that, I don't. I, they played all the young guys. The They've only, had to. The only one I could think of is if you're really trying to look ahead would be with Byron Murphy going on IR. Are you going to use Christian Matthew and Marco Wilson maybe a little more from what you want to see? But well, even then, yeah, I would agree with. That. I, I I do think you you wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more Christian Matthew. Uh, I I mean. Marco Wilson's played pretty well this year, and I think he's mm-hmm. getting better. And that that's a that's a good sign, mm-hmm. especially when you don't know if Byron Murphy's going to be around next year. Keontae Ingram, depending on where you're going to fall in the draft, what are you going to need? Like those are the names that really more stick out to me. Of I feel like you know what you have in Sanders and Thomas at this point, and what you're going to yeah. want to work on. I would think a Christian Matthew. I could see Lasita Smith, although I'm not sure that they're going to make changes at offensive line at this point. No, I don't think they. And that's I guess that ultimately. You, you, I mean, the, the thought process when people say play those guys is basically, we don't care if you lose 50 to nothing. Well, guess who does care if they lose 50 to nothing? The entire coaching staff and the entire playing roster. They care. I know it, I know yep. it makes everybody yep. mad, right. and I know people are freaking out when they almost beat the Buccaneers. Like, oh, man, they might not have a fourth pick. They might have the seventh pick. 
nobody cares that's actually on the field trying to win. And guess what? In that locker room, there is still a process, a hierarchy of you need to earn it in terms of the playing time. So if someone hasn't earned it and they're just awarded the playing time, yeah, that, that can that can wrinkle a few feathers as well in there. And you know what? If you're the person screaming play all the young guys and then Keontae Ingram drops a pitch, then don't be the one you know, lamenting and griping about all the growing pains that go along with playing some of the younger guys. Yeah, that's a good point, too. So, actually, the big question for me is quarterback. I mean, and, and it's not just whether we see Colt McCoy or not, and then the argument, do you really need or want to see Colt McCoy, and what is the risk-reward, what is to be gained by playing a Colt McCoy? If he is declared healthy, and that's the only way in which he would play, okay, you could argue that either way, because what if Colt McCoy is your starting quarterback to start next year or the first half of next year? It's totally uncertain and unknown at that point, so I guess there would be benefit to that, even though he's 36 years of age. But if you just saw everything you need to see with Trace McSorley, are you preparing to play David Blau at some point just to get a look? Honestly. I mean, are you going to give, if nothing else, maybe give David Blau the final game in San Francisco if he's ramped up enough in the playbook to be capable and adept enough? (laughs) Merry Christmas, David Blau. Your one start for this team is going to be against the best defense in the NFL and potentially the best defense in the NFL like the last five years. Let's see. Let's see. Get get rid of the ball quick, David Blau. Let's see it. Let's go. It's uh, and by the way, the Niners might be sitting a lot of players in that final game, depending on whether it matters or not in their playoff positioning. Who knows? But honestly, I, I wonder if they're because supposedly David Blau did get first team reps going into the Tampa game. But was that more so to because you didn't trust Trace McSorley or because the Cardinals were coming off back-to-back games with quarterback injuries that you wanted to make sure that your backup quarterback, who'd only been here for 7, 10 days, felt comfortable enough if he had to go in the game? Yeah, maybe. Or, once again, reading between the lines, if Trace McSorley had picked up where he left off in Denver with some bad interceptions and some bad play and looking a little frazzled and not getting the ball out on time or to the right spots, then guess what? Maybe you do make a change at some point. And and let's all be honest, were we not looking at each other at halftime in a field goal fest? Actually, by the end of the third quarter, and it was still all field goals before the first touchdown of the game was scored, wondering, hmm. I mean, we kept looking down in the sideline from the booth as to whether number 17 was warming up or not. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it would be – I don't think it would have shocked anybody, but again, the the part of the problem right now is you're down to your third string and or fourth string quarterback. I watched Monday Night Football this week, and I know Trace McSorley didn't play well. Played better than Nick Foles did. It's true. That is true. You're right. We we all realize why Nick Foles wasn't playing, and you saw it. I mean, so I don't know if it's going to be appreciably better. And why did they play Nick Foles? Because uh, Sam Ellinger and Matt Ryan weren't playing. I mean, again, when you don't have a guy, the guy, it's going to look ugly sometimes. It just is. So this Sunday we get a look at Desmond Ritter, the third-round pick out of Cincinnati, who is going to be making his third career start for the Atlanta Falcons. You're going to see Drake London, who was a top-10 receiver picked out of USC. Can anyone name a single player on the Falcons' defense? Go ahead. That's what I thought. John Abraham? <laughs> no. Deion Sanders? Uh, that would be a double no. That would be uh, 
By the way, how is Coach Prime doing? How, as Steve an a- Barkowski? As an ASU alum, how concerned are you about Coach Prime in Boulder, Darren? Come on now. Uh, that's going to be fantastic, especially since uh, he's got probably some uh, nice NIL ties that can make it work real good. Yeah. Although I'm quite happy with fellow Chaparral graduate Kenny Dillingham at ASU so far, and they've got one of the best portal transfer groups coming in out of anyone in the nation. So they've done a nice job so far. Okay. All right. Well, Go Firebirds. It worked for uh, USC last year, Lincoln Riley's first year on the job. He got a ton of uh, transfers. So there you go. That's what we're down to here in Week 17, talking about NIL and the transfer portal and the college game. That's where, uh, Unless you have anything else, Danny, that you know you need to, I don't know, direct, going on Mizzou? direct Darren's way or anything like that. No, she's, she's waiting. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay right now. I had a few little comments made in the cafeteria at lunch, so I feel pretty good about myself right now. Oh, really? You got she, your... go, she went up, got a little food, come over, jab me. Went back, get a little more food, came back, jab me. I yeah, see. as I was putting hot sauce on my food at the table Darren was sitting at, that's when I was making my comments, and then I left. <laughs> I see. Okay, so it's a constant uh, back and forth here. I see. Do All you right. guys have New Year's resolutions? Hard Knocks needs to mic up you two guys around the office is what they need to do. Heck Yeah. New Year's resolutions. I, I really don't. My New Year's resolution is just to get through the end of this season. Boo, that's lame. Here's your home. Here's your homework. Here's your homework assignment. And this is a loaded question. When we come back for next week's Cardinals Underground, first yes. one of 2023, yes. everyone needs God, it's 2023 already. Everyone needs to have a New Year's resolution for everyone else except yourself. That will get <laughs> that. We'll get things rolling in a big way. Okay. Okay? I'm going to make my bingo card. (laughs) So your New Year's resolution, Danny, I know you can't wait. You're already, I can see your mind already cranking. I can see the thought bubble above your head right now, thinking of all the different suggestions, value-added suggestions you're going to have for Darren Urban for his New Year's resolutions list. Oh, this is going to be fun. I'm going to need to actually write this down when I get to my desk after this, though, so I don't forget to do this. Exactly. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.